Screw your freedom. Hey folks, this is Frank Reynolds, and this is The Lies People Tell. And that was the governor trying to bring us all together and tell us what he really thinks. Screw your freedom. Now, obviously, uh, that's he's being a bit uh, over the top. Uh, but, you know, scratch, scratch him and, uh, you know, maybe you'll find a, a, an authoritarian or totalitarian underneath the, the skin. Uh, sounds like... Uh, He's basically takes the stance that if you don't do what he, the well-learned scientist, medical professional, epidemiologist, Arnold Schwarzenegger tells you, then you don't deserve your freedom. You don't deserve to go eat. You don't deserve to go to the movies. You don't get deserve, deserve to spend time with family and friends at a picnic or a birthday party, unless you're Barack Obama, that is, you're not going to be allowed by his stance to do anything in normal uh, life uh, society. Wow. They really want you guys to take the vaccines. Hmm. A friend of mine and a listener to the podcast asked me to discuss vaccines and my thoughts on it. And, you know, I agreed to do that. If someone wants to hear my thoughts, whatever they may be about this, fine, I'll share it. And, uh, and, I, and I appreciate the question. Here's my thoughts on the vaccine and COVID. And I'm going to play a clip of a doctor far more articulate and far more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am after I, you know, share my, my thoughts on it, which I think after you listen to what he has to say, take, take all this information in and make your own decision based on what works for you and your family. And that's where I stand at. I'm a big believer in live and let live. I like to have the free choice and free will. And I believe everyone has the same thing and they have the same right. I'm, I do not try to impose my beliefs on anyone else. I share my beliefs. I share my thoughts on the podcast or in public life, but I don't expect everyone to accept it. I don't expect everyone to agree with it and that's okay. They don't have to. All I want them to do is think for themselves and make an informed decision, informed decision. See now Arnold doesn't want you to have an informed decision. He just wants you to do what he tells you to and his friends and our betters in life. Tell us that's what they, that's what they want. They want you to comply, not have a reasoned thought out decision based on your particular circumstances. And I don't like that. That's being a bully. That's being an authoritarian. And we don't play those games here. So my thoughts is the COVID variant, uh, the virus, and the ver different variants, 
will be with us forever. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that we should react the same way we've had to the COVID forever. Matter of fact, I think the way we handled the COVID was completely stupid and ill advised and misguided and based more on fear and half baked ideas coming from half baked people like Anthony Fauci and Burks and all these other lame brains that were in charge in 2020 that did far more harm to our country than what the COVID could have done. Because here's, here's a couple of realities. And this is why we need to have an adult conversation about COVID and lockdowns and vaccines. We have no idea how many people truly died from COVID. Now, there may have been millions of people that died with COVID, but we don't know how many died from COVID. They counted, and it's been documented, they have counted people that have died in motorcycle and automobile accidents as COVID deaths when it's obvious they died from the accident. Now, why do they do that? Because when you incentivize things, people do those things. And they incentivize counting all deaths as COVID deaths because then the hospitals got more money. So when you incentivize things, that's what you'll get. And that's what they did. And it also served a political purpose because Donald Trump was in charge. And it was for four years straight, get Donald Trump. Let's cripple him. Let's hamstring him. And the COVID, he played right into their hands stupidly. And he, he was hamstrung with the COVID. Now, I think... If he would have followed his own instincts, his response was, was actually quite on the money as far as COVID. He wanted to shut us down for a couple of three weeks and then by Easter, open back up and get back to normal life. Somebody got into his ear and told him that was a bad idea. I don't know who, and I, I, but I do know this. I don't know that they had the best interest of Donald Trump's administration at heart. And they certainly didn't seem to care about what it did to America, crushing millions of small business people. And now we're seeing the after effects of the landlord crisis where, you know, people have been in their, their rentals, not paying rent. And they just extended illegally extended the, uh, renters moratorium where leaving ha- landlords holding the bag financially for m- millions and millions of, uh, rentals that are, they're not getting paid for that, So there are a lot of really bad things that happened and they were all, you know, the fault of the government, whether it's Biden in place or Trump in place, if it had been Obama, if it had been Bush, who knows? You can blame the top guy and, and they, they, they want to be the top guy. So they get blamed for these things. But I know this, they mishandled it completely. And it turned out that almost everything they said wasn't true or accurate. You remember how, oh, you can't touch the surface of anything cause it's transferred. Well, they, they debunked that early in 2020, 
But there's still morons out there that still think, oh, no, you can't touch these things. There are morons that think that uh, uh, if you put a piece of plexiglass up in front of the cashier that's uh, a two-foot-wide piece of plexiglass and four feet tall, that that's going to protect them. Like, like that is going to be the one thing that puts them in this hermetically sealed bubble to protect them. It's stupid. It's just, it's just, you know, childlike thinking to think that it does. And when you point it out to people, most people think, yeah, you're right. But there's occasionally people that want to argue like, no, no, no. You know, don't you care about people? You know, and when I, when I hear that, I say to myself, I do care about people except for stupid people like yourself. Those I really don't care that much about, you know, and sometimes Darwin may have had it right. Sometimes you got to thin the herd and stupid people, you know, sometimes get uh, thinned out. Not that I'm going to take them out, but they do stupid things that cause themselves to be eliminated. What, but I'm digressing. Here's the thing. Take the vaccine if you want. I've taken the vaccine. My whole family's taken the vaccine. I took it because I was had a trip planned for two years running that was going to take me overseas. I had to take the vaccine, and my family had to take the vaccine to be allowed to fly to this location and then to return. Had to be tested before, had to be tested on the way back and all this stuff. I did it because of that and that only. If I wasn't doing that travel, I don't know that I would have taken the vaccine. Not that I'm anti-vaccine. I mean, I've taken many of vaccines in my uh, duties in the military and the FBI to be able to travel to foreign countries and countries that have certain uh, uh, viruses and uh, pathogens there that you, you need to be inoculated against. So I'm not against vaccines. But I was never afraid of this COVID thing. Why? Well, I'm not Superman. I just knew that it wasn't nearly as deadly as everyone on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ever, all the cable, all the news people were, were sitting around hair on fire. That, oh, my God, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Well, no, we're not going to die. It's a very, very small lethality rate with this. Now, yes, uh, Andrew Como was able to leverage that minute uh, lethality rate into a, a pretty good body count, you know, 15,000. But <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. Or Wolf from Pennsylvania, same thing. Or how about Whitmer? All of them, you know, decided that, yeah, we're going to send uh, people that are infected with COVID into the most vulnerable population possible, never stop and saying, and what could go wrong now, either they're grossly stupid, which I think they are, but they're also, they don't care enough to think about these things. Why their goal is to be in charge, but not to be responsible. They want the authority but they don't want to really take responsibility. And that's why Como denied, you know, any wrongdoing all the way up to when he had to resign. And he had to resign because of uh, the Me Too movement and all this stuff. He resigned for the wrong reason. He, resigned, he should have resigned and been prosecuted for killing 15,000 elderly people. 
but be that as it may. So once again, like I said, I'm a live and let live kind of guy. I took it because it worked for me, but you know something, if you don't take it and you come in contact with me, I'm not really worried about it. And as far as masks go, it's a joke. Always has been a joke. You know, they said, well, doctors wear masks. Yes, they wear masks when they're in surgery to create, to stop any type of cross contamination from them to the patient for infections, not for viruses. And prior to, uh, 2020, January, 2020, you never met with a doctor where he's wearing a face mask when you're just going to your general practitioner or you got a broken arm and the doctor's looking at you. He didn't come in wearing a mask. He didn't come in, you know, in a Tyvek suit. Why? Because we, we know that the masks are not, unless it's an N95 that's been specifically fitted for you. And then you are very conscientious about not manhandling it with your hands. All the rest of the mask are just, you know, at best a poor performance art to make it look like I'm trying to stop the spread, which the droplets are so small. These masks, especially the paper masks you buy at Walmart, do nothing. The cloth masks that people wear do nothing. So let's set that nonsense aside. The COVID is always going to be with us, just like the flu, just like uh, the common cold, like the mumps, like shingles, all of those things are viruses, herpes, cold sores. Those are all viruses that stay with us forever. You learn to live with it. We need to learn to live with this COVID. Stop listening to these dumbbells on TV that's trying to scare everybody because they're doing this for political reasons because in 2022, they'd love to keep the mail-in ballots and keep people separated so you can't go in and vote in person. That's what that's about. And, you know, we need to put that aside and just stop paying attention to those people, and we need to have some active resistance to it. So let me play you a uh this is a, a kind of a long clip but i wanted to play it entirely because i think this guy sums up everything we need to know about covid the masks vaccines better than almost anyone i've heard certainly far more articulate and knowledgeable than i am so i wanted you to listen to this and just take in what he has to say and make your own decisions Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West 700 North McCordsville, Indiana. Um, to, to address your comment, gee, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem. And I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful and we're getting our sources of information from the Indiana State Board of Health and the CDC who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. And everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies <laughs> sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science 
that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out, and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold, respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody-mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong, as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals, on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak, and done in respiratory syncytial virus, where a vaccine used in a vulnerable individual done the wrong way, which why cannot be done right for a respiratory virus which has a very low pathogenicity rate, causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection. And that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now. In fact, in that flash drive you're going to have coming to you and in the emails with six extra, there will be a study showing that 75% of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in Barnstable, Massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated. Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines. But a question that you should ask yourself, knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected, you shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. You just don't get symptomatic from it. So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. And you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance. And instead, read the articles that are going to come on the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but it suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID-19 develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. 
By the way, the other thing that would be necessary, any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over 15 COVID-19 patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital. And we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxyvitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to one quarter of the population average for the United States. And there are active treatment trials included on that flash drive that this show the same is true. So if you were going to discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxyvitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual. I don't blame this board for that because I know you aren't scientists and you've thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health. But I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this board, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you. Thank you. So he sums up kind of every question that you could have uh, concerning vaccines and how the COVID is here to stay and how it is actually very manageable. I encourage you to go back and listen to that again. It's a long clip, and he has a lot of information in there. And I've listened to it several times, and I always pick up something else every time because there's just so much information. But I think he is actually the most reasonable sound, one of the most reasonable sounding voices I've heard so far in this. This was uh, took place at the Mount Vernon School Board in uh, Mount Vernon, Illinois. So, I mean, or, yeah, Indiana, rather. And it's, you know, it's flyover country. But this guy is, you know, laying down some truth bombs that we all need to pay attention to. And I'll tell you what, the CDC would do well to listen to a guy like that. Fauci, he's such a joke. I, you know, you can't even count him. He's just a puppet for whoever is in power He's a bureaucrat. He's always been a bureaucrat. Yes, he's a trained epidemiologist. Uh, yeah, so what? I mean, it's like you could be a trained concert pianist, but if you've never played the piano since you graduated uh, uh, music school in 1979, ugh, I don't know how much you can really, you can say I'm trained, but are you really a pianist? So, uh, yeah, Fauci's a joke. Don't worry about it. And oh, by the way, the mask for the kids in school, total bunk. This is purely the uh, teachers union at work trying to, uh, you know, they would like to, to keep the kids out of school because they really liked teaching from home because then you only had to put in a couple hours a day of work and you were done and you didn't have to have a classroom management dealing with unruly kids and those type of things. So, I mean, that was that they really liked that. So, uh, but we're led by idiots 
in the scientific and medical community, obviously, at the uh, high levels of government. But that's not the only place it's happening. It happens in the military, too. So this week, uh, as we speak, Kabul is about to fall. The the country has uh, devolved into a Taliban stronghold within a matter of a week or two. And uh, Kabul is about ready to fall. Uh, they keep saying this is going to be Biden's Saigon moment. And for, you know, uh, most people, they, you know, under 40 or 50, they don't even really know what that means. But that means 1975, we had uh, left, we were leaving Vietnam and, uh, you know, Saigon was the last stronghold. We had an embassy there and the Viet Cong Northern uh, Vietnamese uh, forces were invading uh, South Vietnam. And, you know, you have the iconic picture of the uh, Huey helicopters, you know, people hanging off the landing skids trying to get the heck out of there, flying them out to the boats and uh, the, the ships out in, in the water to try to uh, get them out of the country. And uh, so this is going to be sort of Biden Saigon moment. I, yeah, I don't know, but I do know this. There's been 18 different generals in charge of Afghanistan over the last 20 years. And not one of them ever said what we're doing over there isn't working. Only one was ever relieved for not getting the job done. And that was, McChrystal because he embarrassed Obama. The intelligence community said that they thought that the it would take at least 90 days before, you know, Kabul would be taken over by the Taliban. They've revised it down to 30 days. Now they revised it down to, geez, in 30 minutes. Our intelligence community is a joke. Now, this is the same intelligence community that uh, 50 of them signed uh, a letter saying, yeah, that Hunter laptop, that that was Russian uh, disinformation, which we all knew was crap. And (laughs) it's been proven out as crap. So our intelligence community basically uh, has no credibility and nothing legs stand on. So when you hear intelligence assessments say this, it's like uh, there's very little uh, credibility with what they're telling us. I apologize for all the pinging. That was my daughter texting me because she obviously doesn't understand when I say, don't text me, I'm recording. That that means actually don't text me. Anyway, so let me me play you, you know, a little uh, clip of... General Milley, who is the chairman of the Chief Joint of Staff, uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff of the military, and his concern about understanding white rage and all that. And then I'll play you a, a clip from Eric Prince, who, you know, founder of Blackwater, former SEAL, spent a lot of time overseas. And, you know, I, juxtaposed between the two. Keep in mind, General officers are not promoted through the military. They're selected by Congress. Politicians selecting other politicians. On the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, 
But I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Well, you know, that's, that's all well and good. Uh, and, you know, uh, he comes from... You know, an elite background. He grew up in an elite lifestyle and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And and he's done some great things. He was uh, Special Forces. I think he was a uh, Delta Force. So and, and back in the day, at a point in time, I'm sure the guy had his stuff all together. But he's a politician now. And as far as studying, and he's using this as, well, we got to study the enemy. The difference is, is when what he's talking about, and I studied the enemy also when I was in the military and the FBI, uh, not only the, the, the Russians, but the jihadists, but I also studied, you know, organized crime, uh, how that works and, uh, you know, high level financial crimes and how those type of things. But I did that under the guise of understanding how it works so I can combat it. What CRT is doing is they they propose that everyone that's not black is privileged and is racist and that the races should be separated they want to go back to segregation now when they teach that at west point are they saying this is not a policy we agree with or we want to follow but we're wanting we want to understand how it works so we can combat it i'm pretty sure that's not what they're saying because that's not the thesis of the uh, Kindy book that they're reading and the White Fragility book. And, uh, you know, I, I really doubt that they're saying, yeah, we want to take a look at it so, so we can understand how the other side thinks so we can prepare for it and combat it. Because by saying that, it's like, well, we want to combat the CRT and this. Uh, we don't want to admit that we're white privilege and racism, you know that's not happening. So what he's putting forth is not, he's not being truthful and he's being somewhat deceptive. But here's the real thing. If they're not concentrating full-time 
on how to win wars and understanding tactics and strategies to win wars and battles and understanding our enemy and their weaknesses and vulnerabilities because they're doing all that to us. China's doing all of that with us. If we're not doing the same thing, we're missing the boat. And I think we missed the boat in uh, Afghanistan. We should have been out of there probably in 2005, 2006. And don't take my word for it. Take the word of the people, the soldiers and the Marines and the people that the military folks that served on the ground, the lower enlisted guys, especially. Almost all of them will tell you kind of the same thing. I was uh, destined to go to Afghanistan. I've gone through all the training and part of the training to go to Afghanistan is I had to take a, do a week long course at the state department. And that course talked almost all predominantly about nation building things. Now they didn't call it nation building, but it was nation building, building schools, uh, building wells, uh, empowering girls, getting girls in school, uh, opening up uh, female-led businesses. I mean, that was the whole focus of the State Department. And they were using the military as the means to do that. That really is not the uh, business of the military. And when we get into nation-building, that doesn't work. And, oh, by the way, uh, nation-building in Afghanistan, it's really not a conventional nation it's a bunch of tribal providences uh, that have allegiance, and everyone has allegiance to their uh, providence and their tribe and no one else's, so you can't really call it a real nation state. Let me play you Eric Prince and, and juxtapose what Prince is saying versus what Millie's saying. Prince, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Tucker. Before I ask you what we should do, I just cannot resist asking you, why is it that for almost 20 years, not just under Biden, but under previous administrations, the State Department and the Pentagon felt a need to use American power for some kind of social experiment to rearrange the traditional society in Afghanistan? How is that in our national interest? Why would we do that? It's the same collection of national security elites in Washington that have failed for that entire 20 years. They took what was a brilliant victory by special operations in the CIA in the first six months after 9-11 and turned it into a massive failed nation building exercise. And it's largely been like a Star Trek cosplay convention where they just sit and talk to each other and, and delude yeah. themselves into thinking they're making progress. And it's been the same nonsense and they refuse to think about any other ways to solve this problem. And they took... Afghanistan was never really a country, and they and they ignored that and tried to make this central government um, nirvana based in Kabul, ignoring any kind of central or local governance um, based on whatever their social experiment is. And the U.S. military replicated itself. I mean, the U.S. military, the most expensive military in the world, replicated itself in Afghanistan with a lot of expensive capability. And we've been beaten by weapons that were designed in the 1940s, carried by largely illiterate goat herders. Right. It is, the, it, if there is any shame in Washington, there should be a lot of people resigning, and if not, they should be fired. This is, but this is a whole But they're gonna get away with it. Fail. I'm sorry to say this. I mean, it must frustrate you more than anyone since you spent a lot of your life there and thinking about Afghanistan, no people have died I, there, but, like, but they're gonna get away with it. The people who did this, who made these decisions, lied about it on TV, they're gonna move on to the next 
country to The rent. really disgusting thing is that the people that made those decisions in the comfort of their Beltway offices don't have to live with the lost limbs, lives, right. marriages, the real damage. And on top of that, I mean, you know, just today in Bagram, what used to be the U.S.'s biggest base, the prison was opened and all the Al-Qaeda and ISIS prisoners were released. So the ones that were released from Guantanamo, brought to Afghanistan, are now free and open on the range again. Okay? Is th- Unleashing terror. They will unleash terrorism. And we will live with these consequences for years to come. When the U.S. totally failed in Vietnam, there was 30 million people died in Southeast Asia as a secondary effect of that. Trust right. me, this problem will spread to the region. The Taliban never disavowed al-Qaeda. The cosplay diplomacy that's been going on in the United States, thinking they were going to make a deal with the, with the Taliban. Look, whether it's the Trump administration, the Biden administration, the Obama administration, the same knuckleheads giving really bad advice at the national security level have gotten away with, with the same failed approach. We've gone through 18 generals in charge of Afghanistan. The only, no one of, none of them resigned in disgust because they were restrained from not fighting or from, from carrying out the operations the way they wanted. So they have no excuse. None of them resigned. One was fired for embarrassing Obama, but none of them been fired right. for failing to deliver victory. The taxpayers have done their part. Lord knows we've spent a lot of money. The uh-huh. rank-and-file soldiers have done their part. They have fought well. But when you have failed leadership with and, and allowed lawyers to become what Zompolitz were, the political officers in the Soviet Union, Fighting with half measures, it makes it all a waste. And so I am truly sad for the veterans that see this go. We have lost 60,000 veterans to suicide in the global war on terror. That's more than we lost in Vietnam from despair, from seeing it done poorly. Why do I sacrifice myself? Why do I hang it out there with my buddies every day to see it pissed away by by half-baked politicians in Washington? It's disgusting. It is disgusting. And that's an amazing number, isn't it? 60,000 veterans have committed suicide over the last 20 years. That's, that is incredibly sad. You know, and I see these uh, Wounded Warrior and Tunnel Tower commercials, and I see these young men, their life, you know, altered forever, and their family's life altered forever. And then I hear about, you know, Bush painting pictures of soldiers. And it makes you say, okay, why is he doing that? Probably because down deep inside, whether he wants to admit it or not, he feels incredibly guilty for getting us into this mess and then not executing on what we should have been doing, dragging us into Iraq with absolutely no strategic goal in place other than to get rid of Saddam Hussein for whatever reason, under specious information at best, taking an eye off the prize in Afghanistan and just letting us drag this out forever. You know, so I don't blame Biden for getting us out. No more than I blame Trump for getting us out. I honestly, we should have been gotten out a lot longer or long ago. We should have been smarter and more strategic about it. I don't know if Trump would have been or not. I know Biden isn't. But I hold the military responsible. Our political leaders are political hacks, all of them. Our military is supposed to be better than that. 
And you heard Millie. He's a politician. He may have been a warrior at one time, but he's transitioned to politician. Uh, our military, our young men and women that are serving overseas deserve a hell of a lot better than that. Okay. I'm sorry. This was kind of a heavy one today. I like to keep it a little light and uh, upbeat, but you know, sometimes you got to have an adult conversation about things. And today was an adult conversation about COVID and vaccinations and our strategy in Afghanistan and our overseas strategy. So, you know, sometimes we, we can, uh, you know, have these tough conversations too. Thank you for joining me. Uh, please, uh, subscribe. If you haven't, uh, pass it on to your friends, share this with people and, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Oh, and one other thing I forgot to tell you, I said, I had a special announcement to make. I do. I am publishing my first book come. Hopefully it'll be out by the Christmas season. It's going to be called lies. People tell a, uh, toolkit on how to know when someone is lying or trying to deceive you. And, uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get this out by Christmas and, uh, everyone will buy a copy and share it and pass it on. And we'll talk more about this coming up over, you know, the next few months, but I just wanted to let everybody know that we've got this going on. So thanks. And, uh, thanks for joining me again. Bye.